Part two, chapter two of A Lost Lady by Willa Cather. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The next afternoon, Niall found Captain Forrester in the bushy little plot he called his rose garden, seated in a stout hickory chair that could be left out in all weather, his two canes beside him. His attention was fixed upon a red block of Colorado sandstone set on a granite boulder in the middle of the gravel space around which the roses grew he showed niall that this was a sundial and explained it with great pride last summer he said he sat out here a great deal with a square board mounted on a post and marked the length of the shadows by his watch his friend cyrus dalzell on one of his visits took this board away had the diagram exactly copied on sandstone and sent it to him with the column-like boulder that formed its base i think it's likely mr dalzell hunted around among the mountains a good many mornings before he found a natural formation like that said the captain a pillar such as they had in bible times it's from the garden of the gods mr dalzell has his summer home up there the captain sat with the soles of his boots together, his legs bowed out. Everything about him seemed to have grown heavier and weaker. His face was fatter and smoother, as if the features were running into each other, as when a wax face melts in the heat. An old Panama hat, burned yellow by the sun, shaded his eyes. His brown hands lay on his knees, the fingers well apart, nerveless. His moustache was the same straw colour. Niall remarked to him that it had grown no greyer. The captain touched his cheek with his palm. Mrs. Forrester shaved me for a while. She did it very nicely, but I didn't like to have her do it. Now I use one of these safety razors. I can manage if I take my time. The barber comes over once a week. Mrs. Forrester is expecting you niall she's down in the grove she goes down there to rest in the hammock niall went round the house to the gate that gave into the grove from the top of the hill he could see the hammock slung between two cottonwoods in the low glade at the farther end where he had fallen the time he broke his arm the slender white figure was still and as he hurried across the grass he saw that a white garden hat lay over her face he approached quietly and was just wondering if she were asleep when he heard a soft delighted laugh and with a quick movement she threw off the lace hat through which she had been watching him he stepped forward and caught her suspended figure hammock and all in his arms how light and alive she was like a bird caught in a net if only he could rescue her and carry her off like this off the earth of sad inevitable periods away from age weariness adverse fortune she showed no impatience to be released but lay laughing up at him with that gleam of something elegantly wild something fantastic and tantalising seemingly so artless really the most finished artifice she put her hand under his chin as if he were still a boy. And how handsome he's grown! Isn't the old judge proud of you? 
he called me up last night and began sputtering it's only fair to warn you ma'am that i've a very handsome boy over here as if he hadn't known you would be and now you're a man and have seen the world well what have you found in it nothing so nice as you mrs forrester nonsense you have sweethearts perhaps are they pretty why they isn't one enough one is too many i want you to have half a dozen and still save the best for us one would take everything if you had her you would not have come home at all i wonder if you know how we've looked for you she took his hand and turned a seal ring about on his little finger absently every night for weeks when the lights of the train came swinging in down below the meadows i've said to myself niall is coming home there's that to look forward to she caught herself as she always did when she found that she was telling too much and finished in a playful tone so you see you mean a great deal to all of us did you find mr forrester oh yes i had to stop and look at his sundial she raised herself on her elbow and lowered her voice niall can you understand it he isn't childish as some people say but he will sit and watch that thing hour after hour how can anybody like to see time visibly devoured we are all used to seeing clocks go round but why does he want to see that shadow creep on that stone has he changed much no i'm glad you feel so now tell me about the adamses and what george is like niall dropped on the turf and sat with his back against the tree trunk answering her rapid questions and watching her while he talked of course she was older in the brilliant sun of the afternoon one saw that her skin was no longer like white lilacs it had the ivory tint of gardenias that have just begun to fade the coil of blue-black hair seemed more than ever too heavy for her head there were lines something strained about the corners of her mouth that used not to be there but the astonishing thing was how these changes could vanish in a moment be utterly wiped out in a flash of personality and one forgot everything about her except herself and tell me niall do women really smoke after dinner now with the men nice women i shouldn't like it it's all very well for actresses but women can't be attractive if they do everything that men do i think just now it's the fashion for women to make themselves comfortable before anything else mrs forrester glanced at him as if he had said something shocking ah that's just it the two things don't go together athletics and going to college and smoking after dinner do you like it don't men like women to be different from themselves they used to niall laughed yes that was certainly the idea of mrs forrester's generation uncle judge says you don't come to see him any more as you used to mrs forrester he misses it my dear boy i haven't been over to the town for six weeks i'm always too tired we have no horse now and when i do go i have to walk that house 
nothing is ever done there unless i do it and nothing ever moves unless i move it that's why i come down here in the afternoon to get where i can't see the house i can't keep it up as it should be kept i'm not strong enough oh yes ben helps me he sweeps and beats the rugs and washes windows but that doesn't get a house very far mrs forrester sat up suddenly and pinned on her white hat we went all the way to chicago nile to buy that walnut furniture couldn't find anything at home big and heavy enough if i'd known that one day i'd have to push it about i would have been more easily satisfied she rose and shook out her rumpled skirts they started toward the house going slowly up the long grassy undulation between the trees don't you miss the marsh niall asked suddenly she glanced away evasively not much i would never have time to go there and we need the money it pays us and you haven't time to play any more either niall you must hurry and become a successful man your uncle is terribly involved he has been so careless that he's not much better off than we are money is a very important thing realize that in the beginning face it and don't be ridiculous in the end like so many of us they stopped by the gate at the top of the hill and looked back at the green alleys and the sharp shadows at the quivering fans of light that seemed to push the trees farther apart and made elysian fields underneath them mrs forrester put her white hand with all its rings on niall's arm do you really find a kind of pleasure in coming back to us that's very unusual i think at your age i wanted to be with the young and gay it's nice for us though she looked at him with her rarest smile one he had seldom seen on her face but always remembered a smile without archness without gaiety full of affection and wistfully sad and the same thing was in her voice when she spoke those quiet words the sudden quietness of deep feeling she turned quickly away they went through the gate and around the house to where the captain sat watching the sunset glory on his roses his wife touched his shoulder will you go in now mr forrester or shall i bring your coat i'll go in isn't niall going to stay for dinner not this time he'll come soon and we'll have a real dinner for him will you wait for mr forrester niall i must hurry in and start the fire niall tarried behind and accompanied the captain's slow progress toward the front of the house he leaned upon two canes lifting his feet slowly and putting them down firmly and carefully he looked like an old tree walking once up the steps and into the parlour he sank into his big chair and panted heavily the first whiff of a fresh cigar seemed to restore him can i trouble you to mail some letters for me niall as you go by the post office he produced them from the breast pocket of his summer coat let me see whether mrs forrester has anything to go rising the captain went into the little hall there by the front door on a table under the hat-rack was a scantily draped figure an arab or egyptian slave-girl 
holding in her hands a large flat shell from the california coast niall remembered noticing that figure the first time he was ever in the house when dr dennison carried him out through this hallway with his arm in splints in the days when the forester had servants and was sending over to the town several times a day the letters for the post were always left in this shell the captain found one now and handed it to niall it was addressed to mr francis bosworth ellinger glenwood springs colorado for some reason niall felt embarrassed and tried to slip the letter quickly into his pocket the captain his two canes in one hand prevented him he took the pale blue envelope again and held it out at arm's length regarding it mrs forrester is a fine penman have you ever noticed always was if she made me a list of articles to get at the store i never had to hide it it was like copper plate that's exceptional in a woman niall niall remembered her hand well enough he had never seen another in the least like it long thin angular letters curiously delicate and curiously bold looped and laced with strokes fine as a hair and perfectly distinct her script looked as if it had been done at a high pitch of speed the pen driven by a perfectly confident dexterity oh yes captain i'm never able to take any letters for mrs forrester without looking at them no one could forget her writing yes it's very exceptional the captain gave him the envelope and with his canes went slowly toward his big chair niall had often wondered just how much the captain knew now as he went down the hill he felt sure that he knew everything more than anyone else all there was to know about marion forrester End of part two, chapter two.